So Nick, how do you feel about boating? Have you spent a lot of times on uh, boats? Uh, I mean, a little bit of time on boats. I'm not a, I'm not a very good swimmer. I mean, I can swim. So there's that. When I was a kid, my dad used to take me fishing, but he was very much like you get on the boat and then you sit in silence while you fish. And if you're eight years old, it, that's not fun. So I, I just decided I didn't like fishing. I don't know if I would like it now, but he stopped taking me after I complained so much. And then uh, I've been on some cruises. Are you a boat person? I grew up very close to the water. Um, I think there was sailing classes in the eighth grade public school in my town. I haven't spent a ton of time on boats, though. I have gone on one cruise, um, a Disney cruise. It was not a good experience. I mean, my in-laws took, there were 18 of us or whatever for their 50th anniversary. And it was a cruise in the Caribbean and it was all nice. And what a great gift. But we had a two-year-old and a five-year-old and the two-year-old was sick and he got on the boat. I kind of gave him a little Benadryl and they were like, is he okay? I'm like, oh yeah, he's napping. Uh, and it was just a week of hell for him. Fevers, vomiting. So we didn't really leave the room because we didn't want to like spread it around. And then we had a five-year-old who wanted to do things and he also wasn't feeling well. Um, so we just hung out on the balcony and read our books. Back then you could take like a carry-on bag full of as much liquor as you wanted and keep oh, wow. it in the room. So that was kind of nice. Um, and the Disney cruise, you know, we went to dinner and did all that stuff was very nice. It was great. But I often wonder what other cruises would be like for me and Bill as a couple or as a family. Um, I just haven't experienced them. You've gone on a couple? Yeah. I mean, I haven't been with our son. I mean, I haven't been on a cruise in 10 years at least, but I've been on three or four cruises. My wife's family is a cruise kind of family. So yeah, uh, I went we went on a cruise to the Caribbean for our honeymoon. That was really fun. I've been on Mexican cruises, like down to the Mexican oh. Riviera. That Those were really fun. Good pit stops. You can get off and do a tiny bit of culture or cruises or uh, tours or whatever you want. Yeah, they've been really fun. Um, but I've only been, uh, been as an adult. And like you get on the cruise and you have to decide, are you going to pay for the all you can drink option? Or are you going to pay for drinks as you go? Mm -hmm. I've never been on a cruise where you could bring your own booze on before. So the last one we went on, I remember we hadn't decided yet. So we got on. We're like, well, you got to have a cocktail to celebrate. We're on our boat. You know what I mean? And we're like, I'll sign the check. It's like, oh, that was $22 like for two drinks. So maybe we wow. should just pay $100 a day or whatever for all you can drink. And uh, we got our money's worth more or less. Um, That's incredible. 22 bucks. Yeah, we I mean, we ended up having drinks at dinner and stuff and you have to pay for that and then tip at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it was a good thing that our kids were sick and we couldn't party as much as we wanted to. I mean, a Disney cruise isn't a huge party ship. And that's one of the things I worry about when I hear about some other cruises. I don't want to go on like this binge drinking cruise. So you have to find the right balance, I think. Yeah, and when I say we got our money's worth, it's not like we were just going. Yeah, nuts, of course. But, you know, have a pina colada by the poolside. Yeah. yeah. Have a bottle of wine at dinner. Have twelve cocktails at night. You know, normal stuff. Yeah, or I, I mean, yeah, exactly. We also went at Christmas, and it was super crowded. And I realized I don't think we got in the pool once because we just couldn't. We didn't have time. I realized we wouldn't have been able to get into the pool. Like physically, it was so packed. Like the chairs were taken at six in the morning. And I think it was just a bad time of year to be going on a cruise, like Christmas vacation. So that's another thing I worry about. 
I I think the Viking cruises that you see the ads for on PBS look very appealing. Yeah, my in-laws did that once. They liked it quite a bit. It was very expensive. I'm but... sure it is, but I love those river cruises where you stop and you do, you know, a bunch of cu- cultural tours and all that stuff. I don't know if that makes me like boomer or what, but Definitely. it looks great. If you saw it on Downton Abbey and you're like, yes, that's the thing. That's for me. I wouldn't mind a cruise to Alaska. What I would really love is a private yacht, like in the movie Overboard, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd like that too. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, we can hit, no, no, I can't afford it. You can't afford it. But if we go splitsies. Yeah, right. Sure. We can get the dinghy. Mm-hmm. We divide it with our closest 112 friends. Welcome to Film Swap, the podcast where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reasons. I'm Angelica Thornton. And I'm Nick Vole. This week, we are taking a look at Overboard. Somebody call for a carpenter? That's my wife's department. Mrs. Grant Staten III. Grant, I'm on the phone! Always knew what she wanted. I'm not paying for your mistakes. And she always got it. You haven't got a single thing on this earth to do except for your hair. She had power. Taste. What is this gelatinous muck? Style. Are you going to bring me my lemon or do I have to squeeze it from my hat? And amnesia. Seems a mystery woman was picked up by the Elk Cove garbage cow shortly after midnight. Excuse me, miss. Can you tell me your name? Of course I know my name. It's... Annie! Goldie Horn. Kurt Russell. (laughs) Overboard. Okay, Overboard is a 1987 rom-com, or is it more like a screwball comedy, uh, starring Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, directed by Gary Marshall. Uh, Goldie Hawn plays the rich, bitchy, entitled lady Joanna Staten, who lives on a luxury yacht with her uh, snobby husband. I'm not sure if they live on the yacht, but they spend a lot of time on this beautiful yacht. Um, They pull into a port off the coast of Oregon. Uh, It's supposed to be in Tillamook County uh, for repairs. She's bored, so she hires a guy named Dean, played by Kurt Russell, to rebuild her closet on the yacht. He's a local carpenter. And he uses oak, not cedar, which is like, duh, doesn't everyone know that closets are supposed to be made of cedar? So she flips out. She throws him off the yacht. Literally, she pushes him overboard, throws his tools after him. He's pissed. She owes him 600 bucks. The yacht takes off and leaves. Uh, Joanna ends up falling off the yacht that night looking for her wedding ring, and she suffers from amnesia. Her husband shows up at the psych ward, the hospital, but decides to leave her there because he wants to party with a bunch of ladies who aren't his wife. Dean sees Joanna's uh, face on the news, and he comes up with a scam Um, to seek revenge. He goes in and claims that this is his wife. She can't remember that she's not a poor working class mother of four. Uh, She has this feeling she shouldn't be. And then it sort of all takes off from there. He sort of makes her his slave, babysitter, you name it. And uh, that's where the movie takes off. Why hadn't you seen this before? Well, 
I, I had mentioned last week, I think I actually had seen it, but I saw it when I was a kid and I did not remember any of it. And watching it again, I really know that I don't remember any of it other than just the gist of what happens. Um, <clears throat> but it came out when I was nine. So it wasn't a, par- a movie my parents would have had me see, even though it's PG, interestingly. Um, yeah, that's not a good rating for this. I think that no, would change. Like you, like yeah. she 80s, is PG. Very... 80s PG. Well, after the first, like, <clears throat> after the first, few minutes it's definitely could be pg but she's like in that all that skimpy bikinis and stuff and you can see her whole body pretty much the birthmark is revealed on her upper ass yes and that is important for the plot of the movie but like you didn't need to see all of (laughs) business i mean i'm not complaining but you didn't need to see right um so that's why i hadn't seen it and then like you know i didn't have cable as a kid so this is a cable staple i think but i didn't have cable so i didn't it just i never came across it and then after a while what's the impetus yeah. to watch it you know it didn't do very well um critically or in the box office when it came out and then it eventually kind of became this sort of cult classic um i actually think about this movie every time i play miniature golf and i play a lot of <laughs> miniature golf i've played a lot of miniature golf in my life in fact i got my front teeth knocked out with a golf club in high school messing around um but and now i think about it because we live in this part of the country and it's supposed to be like off the oregon coast of course um i have seen this multiple times and it's ridiculous but i I cannot help but like this movie and I know I shouldn't. Um, It's so cheesy. It's so 80s. I feel like I should dislike it just based on the plot alone, but I find it to be charming. I think Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn um, were already a real life couple for several years when they made this um, and their chemistry is great. I think this was their third film together. Something like that. Mm. Um, What did you think? Well, I expected to hate it. I'll be perfectly honest with you, but I didn't. I expected you to hate it too. In fact, I texted you and I said, I'm sorry about Overboard. (laughs) No, I I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. Um, You know, my watch with Marissa, my wife, she didn't hate it either. We both kind of expected to. I know I'm not necessarily going to seek it out and watch it again, but I was surprised that it's affability. It's very affable movie. Um, There are genuine laughs throughout. You know, it's not just like, it is a screwball comedy, as you mentioned, and I think that it, you know, works as a screwball comedy. I think there are a lot of issues with the movie, obviously, um, yeah. which we can get into a little bit. But I, it was good. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I just, yeah. there's some dated stuff, but every 80s comedy is like that. But I feel like, you know, I, I really think that you kind of alluded to this, that and just like we were talking about last week with music and lyrics, for me, like the performances are what really make it work. Because even though Kurt Russell, what he's doing is awful, you still like him. And Goldie Hawn's like over the top rich lady thing at the beginning is pretty so good. funny. I mean, she's pretty funny with that. Her, she almost flips overnight into being like this down home gal. Yeah, which doesn't quite work for me, but she's likable in both of those style. You know, both of those. Yeah character modes or whatever so um i i i don't know I, it works just in spite of itself the chemistry is so good um goldie hahn was on the late late show at one point and she talked about how she was up one night with kurt and they were gonna make love she just comes right out and say it and then overboard was on so they decided to watch the movie instead possibly for the first time in its entirety because she said she never watches their movies and she said 
it really had an impact on them. And she remembered how they fell in love again. I was like, oh, you even fell for your own chemistry, which is so great. I think Gary Marshall really knows how to do this kind of movie. Beaches, Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, The Princess Diaries. I mean, he is good at this timing. And when you have Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn together, it's really hard to screw that up. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think we liked it. It was so charming. And some of those lines were super cheesy and dated, but I think that the both of them together had just perfect timing. Yeah, they're just likable. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Um, you can forgive Kurt Russell for abducting this woman and forcing her to be her slave. And I was thinking about my wife and I were talking about this. And I think the reason that that works and you don't feel it's as icky as it kind of is, is because there's nothing sexual in his motivation at all. And he makes it very clear how much he hates her. He actively tries to avoid, you know, romance with her at first. Like when he pours the booze on himself to make himself grotesque to her. So she won't think that. Yeah. And, and he just really views her as a person he hates that he wants to make into his child care. So in a way that kind of works because it takes like the sexual connotation out of it. There's, it's not rapey. And they really establish that they've truly fallen in love before the, the movie gets to that point and they have sex. Like it's very clear that he's not coercing her. Um, yeah. I mean, the cons, the whole concept is, is creepy though. Um, the premise of the film, the fact that he's tricking and abusing her oh, sure. um, and that it turns her into a better person. She discovers humility and love and generosity. Um, but it worked. <laughs> I mean, it worked. It's like, it's that age old story about like seeing what life is like for the other side. Like she gets to experience life. And, and what is it? The, the Butler on the, on the yacht who kind of reminds her of that at the end of the film. I forget what that character's name is. Yeah. Roddy McDowell's character. Yeah, is, he uh... was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you need a character like that to sort of be the third party, the outside observer. Andrew was his name. Yes, Andrew, that's right. How could I forget? Andrew, you are almost late with the caviar. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've got Elk Cove, um, which was kind of fun, but I was like a little annoyed by how they portray like the Oregon coast. You know, it's Elk Snout, they keep calling it. It's like, it's for Hicks. And then I thought, am I a true Oregonian? Now that I'm getting defensive about this. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been here so long. You kind of are. Yeah, I guess um, so. You know, uh, so I know that they shot bits of this in Newport. They actually shot almost all of this in Mendocino County, California. Yeah. Which Marissa, my wife and I, I keep saying, I'll just call her Marissa. People know she is now. She's been on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, she and I noticed, she, we were like wondering if how much they shot in Oregon. And then there's a scene where they go camping and they have a grill and we knew that they were shooting in California because it's this very specific kind of grill they only use in like mid California. It's got oh, like right. gears and you can crank the grate up and down on the fire to adjust. Oh, much it. fancier than what we have out here. Yeah, like nobody else uses those that I know yeah. of, or that's very, anyway. So a little movie trivia there for you, but yeah, they shot it in Newport. Um, and it's interesting. They, cause Newport is Newport in Tillamook County. I don't think it is. No, it's much farther south. So it's weird yeah. that they chose Tillamook County. And I think they chose Tillamook County because the word Tillamook is goofy. And it sounds yeah. like, like it could be like uh -huh, yeah, Tillamook. You know what I mean? I'm actually looking it up because um, I don't want people to come after me. Um, and I should know this. What, what county is Newport in? Uh, Newport County. That's why. Newport's in Newport County? 
that right? No, that can't be right. Edit this out so I don't look like an ass. <laughs> I was going to leave it in until you said edit it out, but fine. <laughs> um, okay. Lincoln County, Durr, we know that. It's Lincoln County. Yeah. Um, I was. I just not remember if there was a county in between Lincoln and Tillamook. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I love seeing, I love like Goonies and everything else. I just love looking for th places that you've been. And I've actually only been to Newport maybe three times. One time with you, you guys camping, right? Oh, yeah, that was a long Beverly time Beverly Beach. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, I have actually seen that yacht that they were on. It's owned by um, Dennis Washington, who's from Missoula. And Bill went to high school with his son. Mm. And he's this billionaire industrialist who has this yacht called, I think it's the Atessa or something. And it was used for this film. And it was also used for Indecent Proposal. Oh, And so it's kind of like a famous super yacht. And when we were in Cabo a couple of years ago on vacation, uh, we saw his new yacht and it makes this yacht look like a pile of garbage. Maybe he'll sell it to us on the discount. Yeah, maybe so we can get a ride. Um, yeah. So it was kind of cool uh, checking all that Oregon stuff out in here. Um, there were a couple of other things that annoyed me about the movie. Um, and this happened in so many 80s films where they felt like they had to have like the kid with the peewee accent. Mm -hmm. You didn't like uh, it? No. I no. actually kind of like that. It made me laugh. I didn't like it. And I didn't like the dork coast guardsman. Like it was so, uh -huh. you know, just little things like that. And Joanna's over the top mummy played by the great Catherine Hellmond. Uh, but then again, the whole, that whole beginning is over the top. That whole, yeah. uh, her rich family. Um, so yeah, there were a couple of scenes where I was like, oh God, scale it back, scale it back. But it's 1987. Yeah, but you either need to lean into the screwball concept because yeah. this the the plot is so out there that I think you kind of need the screwball elements to actually just say, hey, look, don't take any of this too seriously. Yeah, because I was like waiting so for Rodney stuff. Dangerfield to come on deck. I mean, it's <laughs> that kind of movie, right? It's water skiing on the Oregon yeah, coast. Seriously. Yeah. Um, I, are... I, I was gonna say, I also didn't like the teacher character. I feel like while she's not a nice lady, obviously those kids are just hellions and like to how dare you criticize my children for blah, blah, blah. blah. Like they're just being awful. They're being awful children. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, well, she and when she, when she made that home visit, I was like, good for you. That's amazing. If we had educators like really looking out for kids like that, I mean, she was supposed to be the bad guy, right? At the beginning when she comes and tells the dad, these kids need parenting. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a good teacher right here. Yeah. Teachers and don't have time to do this. It's a heroic moment for Goldie Hawn when she tells off the teacher who's, you know, I mean, right. yeah, the testing, whatever. The kid's behavior is horrible. The poison oak's horrible. Yeah. But like, come on. It's just a little ridiculous. But I think that gets into the whole like this populism of the because, again, another larger thematic problem here is that the rich people are awful, obviously. And the solution for Goldie Hawn to be a better person is to become a wife and mother. You know what I mean? That's pretty regressive uh, outlook on women, right? Like she can be happy without having the wife, or the kids. and the... Yeah, that's what she'd been missing on her yacht. Yeah, not know? just basic human decency that anyone right. childless or not can have, you know? So yeah. I, I didn't love that either. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's some good scenes. I think when Dean is trying to tell Annie the truth, 
Uh, and he goes out and tries to convince the kids to fess up. Mm -hmm. But they like her too much at that point. They're attached to her. That was a great scene. I mean, it's implausible and kind of, yeah, it's absurd. But, but they're falling in love with her and she's falling in love with these kids in that absolute hellhole of a house. Mm -hmm. And I think that worked. There were some good scenes with the kids and Kurt Russell. Yeah, I mean, again, that gets back to that that chemistry thing. And none of this works if you don't like, I mean, even the kids. I, I like that the kids, though, didn't, there wasn't too much of them being awful because you yeah. still need to like the kids in the end. You know what I mean? And that is something true about kids that most kids just need a little like rules and discipline and boundaries. Yeah. So I, I like that they didn't dwell too long on how awful everything was. They they did sort of just montage their way through that a little bit. And I think they needed to do that. I laughed out loud a couple of times too, like so inappropriate when the oldest kid slams the door and he's like, she might not have tits, but she's got a nice ass. I was like, oh God, that's weird, but yeah. it's funny. And and he can say that because it's not his mom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is the chintziest ass miniature golf course I have ever seen. It's so bad. And why do international investors need to come to tiny Oak <laughs> Cove in business suits to eat fish and chips and invest in a a mini golf course that can't pull in more than $50,000 a year in revenue in 1987, right? It's so DIY. It's like something people have in their backyard in 2023. I will say though, back then golf courses, mini golf courses sucked. They were so basic. You'd get like a windmill and that's it. Yeah, and but, like, they, but they were like solidly affixed to the ground at least. Like yeah. it, a big Oregon coast storm would take all those things straight down. There's plywood. It's just plywood with like a couple two, two by fours behind it. Why don't we have more mini golf courses here? Is it the weather? Bill and I talk about this all the time. We've wanted to take the kids and there are hardly any of them. This part of town in particular, North Portland, there's no mini golf. There used like, to be a lot more when I was a kid. There was one over in like Southeast Portland, like over by Malta, a 5e kind of area. They, I don't know. They just all closed there. Obviously, they're not that. There used to be one up in Vancouver. Carl Click and I went a few times. Uh, I think there's they one. Have places at, that where they're inside and you can also do laser tag and all that stuff, but it's not the same. And those places are super expensive. Yeah. So someone open a mini golf course with maybe ice cream in North Portland. There are so many families waiting for this opportunity you can go down to oaks park in my neck of the woods yeah theirs is pretty good that's but, true. yeah it is a weird thing i wonder if it's like bowling right where so bowling alleys just started closing left and right every bowling alley in portland is now a target store somehow um like at least two of them have, or have turned into target stores but now i feel like bowling's back on the upswing and there's not enough places to bowl anymore because every time i've tried to go bowling lately it's like either huh. i have to get a reservation or i can't bowl so I, I wonder if it's like that, you know, it's just kind of up and down riding the wave. Maybe there will be a mini golf renaissance, just like maybe get some food carts and some beer and it'll be a great place to hang out on the weekend. Totally. Friendly. Like you do like a daytime thing for the kids yeah. and then you sell beer at night, yeah. for the you know, grownups. Yeah. It's a moneymaker. All right, so what like are we watching your, next week? Sounds like you've got your career plan to get out yeah. of the news at some point. Yeah, do you. I want to sign that next contract or do I want to open a mini golf course? I mean, just like Dean Profit, you need to get some investors, bring in some high International investors. International right. investors. And you're like, what is I'll, the theme? You I'll, know? I'll serve them some Greek food and charm them. Um, let's talk about how cute Goldie Hawn is. Oh my gosh, I just forgot. She is 
and I'm not just talking about beautiful, but she is just so charming. I was watching it thinking, oh, wow, she reminds me of Reese Witherspoon. Like this could be a role for Reese Witherspoon. And then this morning I was looking up some stuff on the movie and I saw that Reese Witherspoon is like Goldie Hawn's biggest super fan. And uh, I guess when Goldie got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, Reese spoke at her ceremony and she started crying. And she revealed that her first ever email account was overboard at AOL.com because she was so obsessed with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. That's incredible. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And she's very much like her. I mean, she's a good actress. And Reese Witherspoon is like, obviously on another level, I think. But I was like, oh, this is a, this is a cute role for someone like that. They did do a remake. Mm-hmm, with Anna Ferris, and I don't think that did well. Mm-mm, kind of a gender swapped one. Too. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I never saw that one, but I, I heard it wasn't that great. I've read they've remade this movie in multiple languages and countries around the world as well. Like, because the concept is pretty broad and universal, so that's kind of interesting to me. I can't imagine any of them are better than this one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it would be hard to top. Um, yeah, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. I love Kurt Russell. He's super hot. Um. I might get a poster of him playing with his cheesy tank top. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he is a good looking guy and uh, he was sort of like, um, yeah, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to go there. You know all of Kurt Russell's Portland connections, right? No. Have you ever seen the Battered Bastards of Baseball? No. It is a documentary on the Portland Mavericks, which were a minor league baseball team here in Portland. They played at what is now wherever the Timbers play. It used to be Civic Stadium. Um, he was a co-owner of the team. He also was their second baseman. Oh, wow. And there's a documentary on this. Him and his dad owned the team and he played for it. So I think Kurt Russell has had one of the greatest American lives possible. So he becomes a child actor in Disney. He's beloved. He's very successful. Um, he doesn't get screwed up by childhood fame, right? He then, he loves sports. So he and his dad by this baseball team. He gets to play professional baseball and he wasn't like a major league prospect, but he was a decent ball player by all accounts. He does this for a while. He goes back into film. He just does what he loves his whole life has wildly successful. He marries a beautiful woman and has up and down relationships, lives life. Or they don't even marry. They they've been together forever. And they're like, yeah, we don't need to get married, which I think is cool that they never felt that pressure. Yeah. And, And he's got great kids who are all successful and he just keeps making movies. You know, he's been the Guardian of the Galaxy, Galaxy movie number two. He just does what he does and lives a great life. And like, I wish I could be like Kurt Russell. Yeah. Dabble in your passion and just be happy. And and back to Goldie Hawn, too. I mean, she's obviously had a fantastic life as well, you know, from the laughing stuff on through. But when we were watching it, when she pulls her hair up, when she's the rich bitch lady, she I mean, she looks exactly like her daughter, Kate Hudson. It's just. Yeah just doppelgangers and you can see now why like kate hudson all she has to do is channel her mom and they are just so two peas of a pod and and i think kate hudson's great too i mean glass onion she was fantastic and mm-hmm. i can just picture goldie hahn having played that role if the movie came out 30 years earlier you know yeah. what I mean? and, and goldie hahn was 42 when they made this movie she was 42 and overboard yeah, doesn't that make you feel And that was pre-Botox, pre-filler. Like, she looked incredible. I'm not saying 42-year-olds don't look incredible, but in the 80s, it was hard to hide your age For on sure. film. Yeah. yeah, she was amazing. I just kept thinking, look at her eyes. They're like saucers. She's just an angel. Mm-hmm. Um, she's so great. I also really love Michael Haggerty, 
who plays um dean's friend billy i think was his name yeah the big guy with the mustache yeah he just died last year um i'd been watching him in somebody somewhere which is such a great show on hbo and i'm wondering how they're gonna you know um how they're going to continue the show because i feel like he was such an integral character in that show but he also played a lot of other movies and tv shows he was the building superintendent in friends a mm-hmm. um, bunch of other stuff lucky louie curb your enthusiasm i was thinking from wayne's world yeah i mean he didn't do a ton in overboard but i i loved seeing his character i love him he's great yeah and he he was needed too because again you need these outside characters to sort of show the, how ludicrous everything is. And, and he bounced off of Kurt Russell really well. Um, so yeah, he, he was a really enjoyable character as well. And then I really enjoyed uh, William um, Herman. Oh yeah. Bill, Ed Herman, Ed Herman. I said, William Ed Herman, who plays the rich husband who sucks. Yeah. Um, he's he's just, so good at it. Yeah. And he does that. He, he's actually, it's amazing. He's in another movie where he plays a rich asshole on a boat called the cat's meow have you heard of this <laughs> no it's a really good movie peter peter bogdanovich did it it's about um uh hearst william hearst and the woman who died his his mistress who died okay. who mysteriously drowned off his boat it's an excellent like drama look it up he's great in that but it just it was just made me laugh to think about oh i've seen this guy be a rich douchebag on a yacht yeah. before i mean he's the face of yacht rot from <laughs> overboard that's the guy <laughs> yacht rot um yeah, I mean, and I would, we get always asked this question, would you recommend this? I don't know if I would recommend it to just anybody, but I think if you're of a certain age or this, you know, is if, if you like Kurt Russell or Goldie Hawn, I would recommend it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, and I, I watched it with my kids and um, Alex kept saying, I like this movie. I think it's funny. And he thought like the antics with the kids are hilarious where they're like, you know, pranking the mom and doing all that stuff or not the mom, the fake mom, Annie. Um, so I think it's, it's good, especially like a, maybe, I don't know, what age would you say? 12 and up? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if she didn't have her ass out for so much. Yeah. Cause he's 10 and he watched it and he's fine. Yeah, I guess it's just a, butt. yeah, it's just a, but, um, but yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's good. If you want to watch it with kids that age, for some reason, Bill, my husband, Bill, I don't think he likes this movie and it's surprising. Cause this is like. 80s like he's in high school kind of thing you know it it's just the nostalgia factor alone but he i think he just thought it was a little too corny i mean it is extremely corny and i think though it's just a grain of salt kind of movie you got to know what you're getting into get into it and that's okay i'm glad you were um i'm glad you didn't hate it because i really didn't think you'd like it i didn't think i would like it either And, and i didn't love it but i never liked stopped paying attention you know it wasn't I mean? painful never... for you so that's good no i never opened up my phone and started doing the crossword puzzle you know what i mean like which i do sometimes um <laughs> uh this movie reminded me in a lot of ways like since you like this movie have you ever seen ruthless people i think i i have seen it but just like you didn't remember this film i don't remember it at all you should definitely check Ruthless People out. I think it's a really excellent sort of, it's again, it's a screwball comedy like this. Danny DeVito and Bette Midler are married. Mm-hmm. Danny DeVito hires, uh, is going to hire people to kidnap his wife and then somebody actually just does it. And he's really happy because he hates his wife and the kidnappers and Bette Midler form a relationship and they get revenge on him for being so terrible. 
Oh, that sounds good. I like. They've got Judge Reinhold. It's like the classic '80s cast: <laughs> Judge good. Reinhold, Helen Slater. Oh, that's uh, great. Um, Bill Pullman is fantastic in it. So you should check it out. It's and it's like the colors. It's so like L.A. '80s with all the oh, yeah. fashion and colors and. Oh yeah. Okay, I'll put it on the list for sure. Yeah, ruthless people. Um, I was also thinking, you know, you and I had talked a little bit about this. What is what are the like the quintessential Oregon movies? Like shot stand in by Oregon, me, stand by me for sure. Shot in Oregon based or based in Oregon, even if like this is not really shot in Oregon, you know, right. Um, stand by me Goonies Goonies for sure. Yeah. I don't yeah. like Goonies, but I'm in a minority there. I think it's like that thing. Did, did I didn't see it as a kid. So then I see it as an adult and I'm like, okay, this is not a very good movie. Huh. We just had this conversation in the kitchen while we were doing dishes the other day. We were saying it's overrated. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, twilight's washington yeah forks washington yeah um i don't know do we have any other big oregon movies well we yeah, talked well, about pig i haven't seen it yet one flew over the cuckoo's nest that's right that's yeah, right that's the big one i would say yeah pig is really good and i think we should put it on the list we were talking about doing an oregon month i think we should do an oregon month that would be a lot of fun uh pig is is really enjoyable with nicholas cage came out last year um <clears throat> I think my favorite Oregon movie, my favorite Portland movie specifically, well, another Portland movie is Drugstore Cowboy. Um, but I haven't seen I, it. It's like, it's fine. But yeah. the one that I really like is uh, Zero Effect. It came out in um, like late 90s, early 2000s. It has Ben Stiller and what I would refer to as good Ben Stiller. The Ben Stiller where it's more grounded and like less it's not at all about cringe comedy. So I like that. It's got yeah. Bill Pullman and, and Ben Stiller and Bill Pullman plays like the world's greatest private detective. And Ben Stiller is like his lawyer slash assistant. And they do a case in Portland about a timber baron who is being blackmailed. Huh. And it's funny, but it's also got kind of an emotional core to it. It was directed by Jake Kasdan, who's done a lot of other good comedy and stuff like that. Very low key, but it's just chock full of Portland geography and like sites and every shot you're like i know where that is i know where that is i know where that is and it's a hilarious i won't get too deep into this here but there's a hilarious part where they take the bus up to the um the what is it where you sit in a theater and they have the stars above you what is that called again like at omsi they have it you know what i'm talking about yes i do it's um but you know what i will think of it they go up yeah. to Crown Point and that little Crown Point, that little hut is the, I don't know why I'm going on about this. I'll stop, but we'll put it on the list. I no, think I just pulled it up. It looks really good. Um, if you're listening to this too, and we have this Facebook page now, go on our Facebook page to just look up Film Swap Podcast. What are the quintessential Oregon movies? Because we need to know for this, for this month coming up. You're not thinking of the planetarium, are you? Planetarium. Yes. <laughs> we know good words. Yes, yeah, so I um I just I just pulled the movie up and it looks really good. It actually gets pretty decent reviews too. Yeah, it's a um, great okay. Movie. We got to do oh, and maybe I mean that's not an Oregon movie. I was going to say the Tanya Harding movie. I just saw that. I I need to I need to watch that. So it's kind of an Oregon movie. I mean she yeah I mean she's local. She's local. Well, she, yeah, she was always like at Clackamas Mall. That's where she did her yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's kind of local. I mean, thing is, we both have you seen it? No, I haven't. Okay, so we. I haven't seen it. I, I have. I heart Tanya, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I experienced uh, I this from the Nancy Kerrigan side of the country too, because she was local on my end of the country. Yeah. Better so. to be on the Nancy Kerrigan side than the Tanya. Hart. No, I'm on Team Tanya. Yeah, Nancy and Kerrigan I, does seem insufferable. Yeah, I have some stories. Um, we'll wait until we do that that film. Um, what are we watching next week? Because rom com month continues. So I've really thought about this, um, and. I want to go for for high quality here. So we're going to do The Big Sick, starring Kumail Nanjiani, written by him and his wife, Emily Gordon. It's kind of based on a true story. They were nominated for Best Original Screenplay. It's got an incredible acting turn by Ray Romano. And um, truly, he's just so good in that movie. Um, And Holly Hunter's in it. It's just a cool story. And it's funny. And it's heartwarming warming and it works as a drama it's a great movie i hope you like it so we're gonna go with that the big sick that's gonna be great ray romano has acting chops huh he's an incredible actor i'm amazed because i did not like everybody loves raymond or whatever that's really all i've seen him in so i haven't really seen his range i guess um he was also awesome in the tv show of get shorty if you ever saw that it was on like flicks it was on some super minor cable network so we came across it on netflix once and watched it it's awesome um and it's like the film but not really and he's phenomenal in it and like i you just didn't know these depths were there ray romano also has one of my favorite jokes of all time which i'm going to butcher here for you he's talking about how he has he has twins and they uh they named him they had trouble coming up with names so they named them gregory and schmeggery he said, he said they're doing okay i mean greg's doing okay schmeg not so much that's, that's good good joke i love how dry he is he's so funny yeah like when he's just chatting i'm not talking about ray romano uh everybody loves raymond comedy because it's like very family friendly kind of comedy but like just shooting the shit ray romano he's super funny have you met ray romano yeah, when we're hanging out, having drinks. No, but like if you listen to him on a podcast, he's done a bunch of podcasts. I'm like, oh yeah, he's really funny. I love how dry he is. He's kind of insecure and it's funny. Well, you've like interviewed famous people and you're on like AM Northwest. Now not, as, not as not as many as you'd think. Like a lot of politicians and like weirdly athletes because I did, I had a couple of years where I did a lot of sports crap before I moved here, but not, I'm not Helen Raptus or anything. I haven't interviewed a ton of celebrities. Okay. No. Um, yeah, so this is a long time ago in my school district where I work one year in one year in like 90 or 2000, I think. And this has never happened ever since in the same year they had Tom Brokaw visit their schools and they had at the time like a student news report. So they adults produced it. Kids hosted it student news report. So Tom Brokaw was one guest. George W. Bush running for president was the other guest. So the same woman, girl, got to interview both of these people. She was a senior in high school. And that woman's name is Ana Cabrera of CNN fame. So really, as a senior in high school. She was a go-getter back then. Yeah. Wow. I, I got to interview her a while ago. And I, and I was talking to her about this. And she said she's not interviewed a president since. Oh, that's so funny. She's like, I peaked as a journalist in 12th grade. That's pretty funny. That's awesome. I talked anyway. to Hillary when she was here in what, 2008? I got to interview Hillary. It's five funny. minutes, five, 10 minutes. That's Didn't get a lot of Somebody of that 
you know, caliber. I mean, of that stature to give you that much time. It's yeah, not she went from room to room. We were at Dornbecker and each tiny room had like a journalist in it. And she would go from room to room and give them five or 10 minutes wow. and get pulled out. Didn't didn't matter if you're in the middle of asking a question. They're like, sorry, done. I mean, I get it. Yeah, they're busy. They have 30 people to talk to. So I've gotten to interview the governor, Jansley, governor of Washington, a couple of times, but it's one question and that's it. So I got to pick and choose. But uh, yeah, I, I I was expecting with my current job that I'd be getting to interview more trailblazers and like people coming into schools to talk. And I just don't get to. Yeah. I made the mistake of sending my coworker to go interview the Mariners once. And I was like, oh, I know who that guy is, but I don't know. I was at the DNC the, in 2004 uh, on the floor of the DNC in Boston. And I was uh, credentialed to be in a certain part of the floor where you talk to the celebrities. And that was one of my packages, like who's here at the DNC. And uh, it was the night that Obama did his big speech and no one knew who Obama was because he was just a senator at that point. Or people were actually like, how do you pronounce his name? And uh, I had a confrontation with Larry David on the floor at the DNC. He said, who do you work for? Because we were trying to interview him. And I said, oh, I work for one of the stations here in Boston. And he goes, which one? I'm like, WFXT. And he's like, what's WFXT? And I was avoiding the questions because it was a Fox station. Oh, and, okay. I, you know, and then he just started screaming at me. How do you sleep at night? Da, 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 da. And um, my photographer at the time was defending Fox. We were owned by Fox not Fox News, you know, Fox Network, and uh, at the time, and he was defending, He was so he was defending the network, saying, you know, they took a chance and they did the symptoms when no one else would do it, and blah, 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 and so progressive, and da, da. and Larry David's like, Pfft. and he gave me the most Larry David conversation you could ever have, and I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, what an experience. That was like a scene out of his show. It was awesome. I uh, I was told to go fuck myself by Rick Adelman. Really? You know who Rick Adelman is? Yeah. Jesus. Former, former Trailblazers coach Rick Adelman, a hero of mine cuz when I was 12 years old, he was he took the team to the finals twice, you know what I mean? What prompted his go fuck yourself? Well, so I happened to have a day where I didn't have a show um because the Blazers were in the playoffs and the playoff game was going to be on. And so our station, K2, had an agreement with the ABC affiliate in Houston that we would interview Houston players when they're in Portland and they would do Portland players when they're in Houston. So you didn't have to send a crew. Right. So my boss said, hey, you're not you don't have a show today. I know you're a basketball guy. Can you please go interview the Rockets? I'm like, yeah, yes, please. So me and Monty Oreck, who was a photog, went and first up was Ron Artest, <clears throat> Metal World Peace now. He did not want to talk to us, but he was a professional and he answered my questions. And I'm super duper nervous, of course, because these are guys. I I mean, I've been around famous people every now and again. I don't get too starstruck, but these guys, I'm a huge basketball fan. So these guys were celebrities to me, you know, so I interviewed him and that went OK. I went over to interview Yao Ming, um, you know, seven foot six Yao Ming. And I couldn't get within five or six feet of him because there were so many Chinese journalists. Yeah. Um, and they're all it's weird. They're all shorter than me by a long shot. And I'm not that tall. I'm like six feet tall, but it would kind of worked out because I could just raise my arm right above their heads to put my mic up. And he was amazing. He could, his grasp of English was incredible. And then um, I went over to interview Shane Battier who played. Oh, I love him so much. He's great. And I was like most starstruck by him because like, he's a very handsome man. He's a very famous man. And I was fumbling so badly and he just kind of 
knew what I was at. He just took care of it for me. Like he's very professional and kind. Oh, he's such a nice person. Yeah. So then we see Rick Adelman walking down the hallway towards his coach. I'm like, oh, great. Let's go get Adelman. So we walk over there and he sees the flag on our mics and he says, go fuck yourself and keeps walking. I'm like, what? What? What is this? And then I guess maybe I thought, well, me and Monty and I were like, maybe it's just not time to do his interview yet. And he's in a bad mood. I don't know. So we wait and then we see he's, oh, he's in a scrum over there with some other reporters. We walk over and he says, I'm not going to say another word. And he points his finger right in my face while this fucking guy's here. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. So we walk away and then their PR guy comes over and says, hey, he doesn't want to talk to your station. Don't take it personally. We had just done a story on his son who had been, who was the basketball coach at Lincoln, who had been arrested for Dewey's twice in like a few weeks. That's right. Now it's all coming back to me. And he was angry at us for doing a story on that. And so it just, I got chewed out by like a hero of mine. Oh, that's disappointing. That's really disappointing. Your mic flag touched a nerve. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then they were like, Hey, uh, we noticed, why didn't you get Adelman? I'm like, long story. Just send in the clip of him saying, go fuck yourself. Right. I would love to have really that. short soundbite, but we got it. <laughs> Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Fold. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow Angelica on Twitter at Angelica K-A-T-U and follow Nick at Nick Vole. Share your thoughts on the films we discussed there and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Vole.